How the heck has Macy McTavish been so dominating at World Juniors? We'll break this down on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Another beautiful day here in SoCal. Hi, everyone. Jason J.D. Hernandez here from Locked On Anaheim Ducks. I've been covering hockey for over a decade, and I'd like to welcome you to this podcast. If this is your first time here, I've been covering hockey for about a dozen years now, mostly in the minor league level. And I've seen some terrific players in my time. I've seen a lot of great players come and go from SoCal and the American Hockey League. But not many players I've seen have the dominance that Mason McTavish is having right now at the juniors level. Not since the likes of some guy named Trevor Zegris. You may remember him. Hmm, yeah. How about that? Oh, a reminder, by the way, that this podcast is free and available across all platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD. Oh my gosh. Mason, I'm just dreaming about Mason McTavish being an Anaheim Duck full-time. I, I, I can imagine it. it it's going to be a fun year next year. Especially if Mason McTavish, and I say this with all due respect to Dallas Eakins, but if McTavish isn't in the starting lineup at the season opener, I think myself and about 95% of Ducks fans will riot. They will absolutely riot. Let's talk about McTavish at World Juniors. Again, not talking in Canada, just talking about McTavish, and that is it. Canada's been pretty dominant so far in World Juniors. In four games, Mason McTavish has been not only dominant, he's been really dominant. Four games so far, he has scored seven goals, six assists. 13 points. He's got 13 points. Now, keep in mind that this is way beyond everyone else. Joaquim Kamel's got 9 points. Aturati's got 9 points. They're next. Then you have Connor Bedard, Thomas Bordalo, Emil Andre at 7, and then a bunch of other players after that. So you can see how far above Mason McTavish is compared to everyone else. It's big time. So he's leading the World Juniors in points. He's leading World Juniors in goals. He's got seven goals, as I mentioned. After that, I mean, the next highest is four. Matthew Coronado, Carter Mazur, each with four goals. And then a bunch with three after that. So McTavish is well beyond as far as goals. Okay, what about assists? Is he far beyond everyone else in assists? Not so much because he's been scoring goals. He's tied for the tournament lead with Kamel and Thomas Bordalo and Aturati at six assists. But something else that I want to mention, actually, I'll mention the other thing in a little bit. Let's just talk about the pure offensive firepower that is Mason McTavish. Look, I can't deny that there is a connection with Mason and Connor Bedard. It is undeniably a fantastic connection between Bedard and McTavish, which has caused some on Ducks Twitter to say, well, what if they tank? I wouldn't mind if they tank one more time. Can they tank and get the number one pick? Okay. Mm. 
I'm going to stop y'all right there. As much as I would like Connor Bedard on the Ducks, is he the answer? Is he like the perfect answer for the Anaheim Ducks? I I think he could be very good, but I don't want to go that route at the risk of losing more players and possibly furthering, you know, getting past this rebuild. If the Ducks decide, oh, we're just going to tank this season and they wind up in last place or second to last place, then you know where free agents are going to go. They're going to go somewhere else. What about this pivotal moment in the Ducks franchise where you're going to have Dallas Eakins possibly gone after this season, where you're going to have some pretty top-tier talent on free agency? Do you want to risk furthering and continuing this rebuild? I, I don't know if that's the right idea here. It's a nice thought. I mean, there is the possibility that the Ducks could somehow wind up with still a decent record, a decent shot at the playoffs. They miss the playoffs. They have, let's just say, in a perfect world, the Ducks come close. They have the 11th best odds to get that number one pick. They can move up 10 spots. They could move up to number one and somehow, in the slimmest of odds, win the lottery. That would be ideal. That would be the best case scenario. Should we rest our laurels on that? Absolutely not. Because this year's draft is going to be deep. Very, very deep. And Bedard is a little undersized. He's 5'9", 5'10". And judging by some of the players that Pat Verbeek wants around, judging at the kind of players that he would want, he would be okay having Connor Bedard, but he likes size. Verbeek likes size in his lineup. So... Assuming that the Ducks don't get the number one overall pick, then what about the possibility that he can get a really good defenseman or a really good forward that has good size and good skating? The Ducks could always use more of that too. So when I see McTavish and Bedard playing together and McTavish dominating the way he is, and this is something that I was hoping for. I was hoping that he would just pummel everyone just dominate everyone with his size with his speed with his skill then do the ducks need to continue to tank no they do not need to continue to tank there's plenty of depth in this draft and i talked about john klingberg on the tuesday show on the little um crossover i did on tuesday And John Klingberg could yield a very high first-round pick. He could yield a good pick. The Ducks could have two first-round picks in this upcoming NHL draft. And I know this is 10 months away. This is a long way away. But there's talent out there. So do I want them to tank? No, I, I really don't. Maybe two years ago I did. Because I thought there was some good talent and that wound up being Mason McTavish. Now that the Ducks have a Trevor Zegers, a Mason McTavish, Jamie Drysdale, Troy Terry. A lot of good talent on this team. They could add to that. Do we want to be Team Tank? I hate, I'm I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to be on Team Tank this year. 
because I think there are teams that are worse than the Ducks. There are multiple teams that are worse than the Ducks this coming season. Vegas is going to regress. They're they're in a crap load of trouble. San Jose, they're not going to improve. Seattle's not going to be that good. The Ducks could contend for a playoff spot this coming season. They really could. So that's where I stand on that. All right, we're going to head into the first intermission. But first, and I don't normally do this, but we're going to have a little bit of a PSA before we head into the first intermission. So you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people begin to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make a home okay. It's no big deal, right? Well, what are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, just stop and think again. Play it safe and please plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. We'll have more about McTavish after the first intermission. We'll get to that on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Once again, you're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez as we are talking pretty much all about Mason McTavish today. As he continues his utter dominance against the rest of the juniors in this year's summer edition of the World Juniors out in Canada. So I talked all about the scoring. There's one aspect of his game that I absolutely have to talk about for sure. And that's the face-offs. Okay, why am I talking about face-offs right now? Why? Because he's almost leading in that too. And this is very important because I see some people saying, oh, it'd be great if McTavish played with Trevor Zegers, who's a center, or Adam Henrique, who's a center, or maybe Troy Terry, who's not a center, but that one I get. But I'm seeing all these lines, like these weird lines, where McTavish isn't the center. Um, I'm thinking of a number between one and no. No, McTavish should be your center. He would instantly become one of your better face-off men on the dots. Like, really? Really? Okay, let, let's just go back a little bit. Looking at the face-off stats for this World Junior, he is... Okay, and this is a little caveat here. As far as players that have at least 30 face-offs in this tournament so far, so at least 30 face-offs, McTavish is 7th. Or rather, 8th, I'm sorry. He's 8th as far as players that have at least... No, I was right before. 7th. He is ranked 7th on all players that have at least 30 face-offs. McTavish is at a staggering 54.05 face-off percentage. That's quite good. And that's face-off wins. 
there's a lot of really good quality centers out there. McTavish is up there. McTavish is up there as far as faceoff wins, as far as just gaining control of the puck. He's been doing that for a while now, where he is being that main guy that will take faceoffs, not only in the offensive end, by the way, but also getting some key wins on the defensive end. This is something that a lot of people are barely noticing right now. That's fine. This has gone back two, three years, where even on the last World Juniors, he was taking faceoffs even during the penalty kill. And he's still out there once in a while on the PK. He's, of course, first line power play. That's without a doubt. But for him to be on the power or on the PK unit and still get a face off wins, that says a lot. He's the kind of player that can be a little bit of Ryan Getzloff, where he'll get the wins and a little bit. Now, go with me on this. There's a little bit of Derek Grant in there. In that, Derek Grant was a type of player that could be reliable on the dot and be out there during the PK to get those important wins. The difference between a Derek Grant and a Mason McTavish is McTavish can also do a good job scoring on the penalty kill. Yeah, McTavish is the kind of player that can break away and have a good shorthanded opportunity. We saw that in Hamilton this year in the Ontario Hockey League. We saw that a little bit in San Diego. We saw that a couple times in San Diego, actually. So this is something that will not escape him. That is a part of his game. Does that mean he's going to log a lot of minutes potentially in the National Hockey League? Yes, absolutely. Does he deserve top-line minutes? Not right away. But if you can have someone that's reliable in the face-off dot like a Derek Grant, but also generate offense, he could easily, easily be a top-six forward. And in fact, I could see him being a top-six forward maybe even this season. Now, here's the big rub. Trevor Zegris is already your first-line center. He should be your first-line center going forward from this year on. Does that mean that McTavish should be in the first line? No. And in fact, and this is kind of crazy that I'm seeing this, that McTavish could be a first-line center this year. I'm going to stop you right there. McTavish is great. He's only played nine games. He can generate a ton of offense. I get that. But is he your first line center? No, not right now. Is he better than Trevor Zegers right now? No. Okay, let, let's get that out of the way too. That out of the bag. Yes, I'm extremely excited about Mason McTavish. I'm probably more excited about McTavish at the moment. But thinking about how excited I was about Trevor Zegers when I began this podcast, I was super excited. I mean, I pumped Zegers' tires a lot when he won gold. I think where I pumped his tires the most, ready for this? I pumped his tires the most when Zegers made that comment that, oh, Team USA, they haven't seen the likes of it. Or, yeah, when he was in the USA, Canada hasn't seen the likes of USA. No way. And Zegras kind of talking the talk, but he walked the walk too, and he was the MVP of that World Junior Championship. I got super excited. I was pumped. I'm about as pumped about McTavish. 
And I know it might seem like I'm more excited, but that's more recency bias. No, when Zegris was pulling out all the stops, then I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go, Trevor. But that's not to say that I shouldn't pump McTavish's tires because I think McTavish will wind up being a top six forward. And maybe even by the end of this season, I could see McTavish being the second line center for the Anaheim Ducks. And can you imagine if they keep that nucleus for the next, let's just say the next seven, eight years. Down the middle, you immediately have Zegras McTavish, 1C, 2C. That's a two-headed monster right there. Now imagine them on the power play. That's already two solid power play units, or put Z and Mac on the same power play unit altogether. That is a lethal duel right there. Add in Troy Terry, add in Jamie Drysdale, and what do you got? You got one of the most fun offenses in the entire NHL. This Ducks team is going to be fun to watch, at least on the offensive end. So should fans be excited? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, fans should be excited. Why not? But not first line excited. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't subscribe to that yet. I'm excited, but I'm not over the top. Oh my God, he's going to be the first line. He's better than Zeke. No, I'm, I'm not going to go there yet. I will slightly pump the brakes a little bit on that regard. But man, second line center. And if that's the case, the Ducks could have two legit, I mean really legit scoring lines. From the top. That is a good top six to possibly have. If you're the Anaheim Ducks. Should I be excited? Yeah, absolutely. Throw in a couple former Rangers in there. Or at least one of them. Then yeah, I'd be excited as well. This season's Ducks. Could. I I think they will have two. Very high scoring front lines. And McTavish being at the center of that. I think is going to be key for the Ducks development. I think it's going to be key for the end of their rebuild going into potential playoff appearances. These are the kind of centers, the kind of one-two punch that could begin to lead the Ducks to playoff appearances again and again and again. Could we see a renaissance of the Ducks? Could we see a repeat of the Ducks from the 2010s except without the Game 7 failures at home? Could this be another period? I mean, not right now, but could we see another period in Ducks history where they win divisions over and over and over again? Could we see three, four, five division banners hanging at the rafters of the Honda Center? It's possible. It's very possible. That's why I'm excited. One more thing that I want to talk about as far as McTavish is just the overall body of work. And I'm I'm saying this in the literal sense. Look, I'm not so blind that I didn't see the posts from Ducks Twitter about Mason McTavish's butt cheeks pretty much hanging out. <laughs> I'm not going to put that picture up. But I, I did see it 
Mason McTavish wearing some very torn up shorts. <laughs> as as one of my colleagues on the network put it, oh, what a whore. <laughs> she said that jokingly, but Mason McTavish's butt cheeks hanging out or Mason McTavish showing so much leg it's ridiculous or having a little tear on his shorts right along the, um, how can I put this delicately? In the crotchular area. Let's put it that way. Yeah, first off, Mason, get some new shorts, buddy. <laughs> you know, get some new shorts. You know, don't just leave it all hanging out there. <laughs> Maybe in the literal sense, too. No, that that is kind of a thirst trap right there. So, Mason, buddy, get some new shorts. You could probably afford it next season. <laughs> it, it was ridiculous, folks. But on a serious note, yeah, he's got that big old body of his. I love that he's still pestering goalies right now. He's getting that big butt out in front and creating goals. That, Which is, by the way, how he's already gotten a couple assists on this World Junior. Is He's already been like, hmm, what can I do to get a point now? I'm going to stick my butt right here. Yep, I'm going to deflect a goal right here. Or I'm just going to pass it and block the goalie's view. He's done that a couple times already in this WJC. Where he's a perfect screen right in front of the goalie. And oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. (laughs) And that's how Canada is dominating in this tournament so far. And I think they will continue to dominate all the way to what could be a gold medal for Canada. So, speaking of games, we do have a quarterfinals schedule. By the time this airs, Canada will have one. Uh, Wednesday schedule, Canada's playing Team Switzerland. I'm going to assume that they're going to beat the Swiss. So, by the time we see this on Thursday, I'll just assume that Canada has already beaten Switzerland. And McTavish is going to score two or three more points. Yay! So, what does that mean for... The following games. Look, there's going to be a semifinal over the weekend, a gold medal game on, I think, Saturday or Sunday. And then that'll be it. So the next time I talk about McTavish, the next time I talk about this tournament, it will be over. And we'll be at next week. And by the time I finish watching, I'll be in a different area code. I'll be in a different time zone. So this is partially also what's going to happen. Um, The reason that I'm recording this on Tuesday, but this is Thursday's show, is because Wednesday will be a travel day for me. So I'll be traveling all day Wednesday. This will come out Thursday morning. And I will assume that Canada's going to win it. So we'll see how Canada does against possibly the U.S. Could be Finland. It could be Latvia. I mean, Latvia advanced to the quarterfinals. That was kind of a shock. So we'll see how this tournament plays out. And I'll try to follow along as closely as possible on the Locked on Ducks Twitter. But I'll make no promises because I will be traveling during that Team Canada game, unfortunately. Hopefully my plane will land by the time the game starts or at least during the first intermission. So I'll try to follow along with that as closely as possible. And I think this is a good spot to wrap up today's show. Once again, it's a Thursday from here on out. We got a Thursday show. We have a show tomorrow with a guest again. And I kind of teased this last time 
we will have a bonus episode over the weekend. It's a lot of fun. Talk about music and stuff. (laughs) Speaking of music, if you want to follow my personal Twitter, there it is right there. At StimpyJD is my personal Twitter, where I've been talking about music all week, pretty much. Uh, The Twitter that you want to follow if you're a Ducks fan, at LO underscore Ducks. I'll be talking about World Juniors. I'll be talking about Mason McTavish, who has been dominant at this World Juniors. If you want to drop me a line, you could do so. The email address is LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. And yeah, I, I, I read the comment. Those of you saying, well, hey, you're a Dodgers fan. What are you doing here? We don't want you here. Well, you know what? No. When I was growing up, it was okay to have a National League team and an American League team. My nat- my first team is Dodgers. But my American League team growing up has always been the Angels. It always has been. I've gone to way too many games to count. I mean, I go back to sneaking back in for a fireworks night or seeing the Nolan Ryan ceremony or seeing the 0-2 playoffs. No, like, I... I like the Angels, all right? I'm just disappointed in how this season has gone for the Angels. And the more I talk about management and, you know, Artie Moreno, like, that's the kind of thing that will get me mad. (laughs) Like, I don't want to talk about it because it'll make me, like most Angels fans right now, it'll piss them off. So, yeah, I do have a number one team, but... At least, at least I'm going to come out and say it. But that doesn't mean I hate the Angels. Come on, I don't hate the Angels. I say this all the time. Mike Trout, worth the price of admission. Shohei Otani, worth the price of admission. They're amazing. I'm just sad that we could potentially see the best of Mike Trout never materialize in the playoffs. That's where I'm at. Okay, that's enough of that. If you want more baseball talk, and I'll give them a shout out today. Check out Locked on Angels. So do check them out. Those guys are really good. So check out Locked on Angels. Make that your second listen today. And if you're a Ducks Dodgers person, check out Locked on Dodgers. Snydog is on there. So yeah, check them out if you're a Dodger fan. Make that your third listen maybe. Before I wrap up, I want to remind you, this episode is also brought to you by Bet Online, which is where the game starts. They have the latest props, odds, and lines. They have more of those than ever before. You can check Bet Online out at betonline.net using either your mobile device or your laptop. They have the upcoming lines for the Stanley Cup final. So do check it out. Once again, Bet Online is the official online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network, and please gamble responsibly. Once again, thank you all for your continued support. It is greatly appreciated. Thank you. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the afternoon. Please continue to be safe out there, be kind to one another, and ducks fly together. Fly together.